What you just heard were eight statements uttered by Jesus. Now, in the New Testament, there are four Gospels, four stories whose very name means good news, four stories telling the life of Jesus. Now, these Gospels are similar and correlate in many ways, yet each brings its own distinctive and its own flavor and its own insight into who Jesus really is to the table. Now, woven throughout the Gospel of John and only throughout the Gospel of John are these amazing proclamations, these, these moments when Jesus stands up and gives the, these, these utterances, these, these prophetic insights, if you will, into who he is. And they all begin with this phrase, I am. You've heard eight of them right here that John weaves through his gospel trying to help us see who Jesus truly is and so that by seeing, we might believe in his name. Now, let's run them through again really quick because it's important to catch something before we get too far. Now, we shared seven or eight of them here with you today. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And read these with me. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the vine. You are right in saying, I am a king. And before Abraham was born, I am. I think we're tired with it. I think we know it. I think we hear the words and we just go, okay, that's what a Bible is supposed to sound like and we get on our way. But imagine being there when Jesus first said these words. First of all, let's unpack your imagination. Because sometimes I think it's difficult because sometimes I think when we think about Jesus walking the earth back when he first uttered these words, we kind of imagine him like we see in the Hallmark movies that are on right now or uh, in the stained glass windows where there's like kind of always this low-grade glow coming off of him. And, and we think of the nativity scene and of course there's like angels proclaiming who he is and, and you just kind of feel as though if you were in his presence, there would be some kind of palpable difference, some kind of sense or feeling or aura or, or power that, oh, I know that I'm around someone holy. You ever get an idea like that? If you do, you're wrong. I'm sorry. It's just not how it was. And I know that you're wrong because Jesus said so himself. In fact, when most people came face to face with Jesus, they had no clue who he truly was. They didn't see someone of might or of power or of grandeur. It was a select few who were given that insight to see beyond the veil or those moments to see something more. But sometimes I think we think of those select few and we want to make it kind of the, the norm for the 30-some-odd years of his life. But when Jesus was born, he was born like anyone else was born, with a lot of pain and screaming, and crying, and blood. When he lived, he lived like anyone else would live, with fears, and sorrows, and joys, and desires. He made mistakes he had to learn. He had to do all these kinds of things that you and I do, and people didn't go, hey, look, there's God running down the block. And when he got older, he faced the same thing that, that you and I face in adulthood, the same struggles, the same emotions, 
the same questions and the same thoughts. And when people saw him, they didn't see someone who had a halo around his head. They saw an ordinary man. And that's what makes these so significant. Because how outlandish to say if you're an ordinary man. I mean, imagine this if you would. I, I, so, someone help me here just for a moment, all right? Just someone stand up. I don't care where you are. Just stand up. Thank you. All right. All right. Imagine Neil back there just stood up in the middle and, and goes, say it. Just, just shout it out. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, say it like you mean it, like you believe it. All right, and, and, and imagine if he then said we should come and eat his flesh and that we should follow him. I mean, who, who, who would continue to sit that close to Neil? <laughs> right? Right? Okay, thanks, Neil. I need someone on this side. Stand up, would you? Okay, own it, man. Like, just pick one. Pick one on the list and shout it out like you mean it. Uh, all right. I'm, yeah, I'm the good shepherd, and, and I've come to tend you, my flock, my sheep, and to lay my life down for each of you because these statements go on with the full impact and you know, punch and weight of what's going on. And what would it be like to hear just some ordinary guy stand up and say something like that? Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Are you starting to get the sense of how when people would come face to face with Jesus, there was no such thing as neutrality. It would always force a decision, a crossroads, a watershed or a divide of some kind. Because you can't hear someone like that and just dismiss him as being well, a really good teacher or a, a, a prophet or, or a real moral kind of compass for our age because moral compasses don't go around saying things like they pre-existed people who lived 1500 years ago, right? Moral compasses don't go around saying, I am the resurrection and the life and if you believe in me, you won't die. I'm sorry, that sounds like a bald-faced lie. You call that morality? With Jesus, there's only a few choices when you come face to face with statements like this. He's nuts, he's evil, or he actually happens to be who he says he is. Now, I think a lot of times when you see these I am statements, as they're called, of Jesus, it's kind of easy to take them at face value. You read it and it's like, hey, good metaphor, Jesus. I like that one. Way to come up with them. Except that each and every one of them is rooted into a deeper Old Testament well. When Jesus is saying these statements, he's drawing upon a conceptual field that people already had. In other words, he's drawing upon a tradition, a story, things that people would know from what they were taught as a child, things rooted deeply in the things that the people of God had said before. And if you miss that, you miss the significance beyond the surface of every single one of these statements. Let me show you what I mean. Now, you're going to have to kind of get your brains active here today. Try to keep this list in your head. Okay, you can actually do it. I, I bet you can. I bet you can get most of them. Try to keep this list in this order in your head. And as you do, what I'm going to do this morning is just ask you to read some statements to yourself from the Old Testament, all right? I'm going to flash them up on the screen, and you think about what Jesus said in relation to what you're going to see. Does this make sense? Here we go. Okay? Okay? Well, got away from me, but... I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection of the life. Are you with me? All right? I am the vine. 
Okay? You are right in saying that I am a king. Now, each of these you're seeing has an Old Testament echo, a parallel, if you will. It's drawing on something. And, and I'll tell you guys right now, it's not like this is the only verse behind it. I mean, there, there's a, a well and a panoply of things saying the same thing throughout the Old Testament. Now, if you're looking at these independently of Jesus, something should start to lift to the surface. Of whom are each of these, or at least most of these, referring to? Okay, but according to how it reads up here, the Lord, right? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Have you ever found it weird that they like kind of capitalize Lord all the time, sometimes? Now, there's another statement that I didn't put on here, but do you remember this one? Jesus says, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, I'd like to show you one more Old Testament echo that's rooted behind all of these here today. This comes from Exodus chapter 3. Now, the people of Israel are in exile, or rather, they're in bondage, they're in slavery in the land of Egypt, and they've been crying out for God to deliver them for hundreds of years. God finally listens, or better put, God finally responds the way that the people have been asking for. And he raises up a prophet named Moses, and he tells Moses, you are my chosen one to go into Egypt, to proclaim to Egypt that these are God's people, and to let my people go. Moses is not thrilled with the proposition. He battles with God back and forth. And in the midst of this, he asks this question of God. Okay? Okay? And this is what God answers him. It is where God shares his personal name. See, often when we pray, we pray to people like Father, Lord, God, don't we? But those are titles, aren't they? What is God's actual name? He gives it right here. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, if you were to see that in Hebrew, it would say, eh, yeah, eh, yeah, eh, yeah, okay, if you got that. But it often comes up this way instead. It comes up with four letters, Y-H-W-H. Do you know how to pronounce it? You think you do, but no one really does for sure. It's all just good guessing, all right? But for most people, it comes out something like Yahweh or Yahweh. It's been said it's just the sound of being in breath. Yah, almost. The essence of God that permeates all Things. Now, in your English Bibles, whenever the word Yahweh appears, it is translated capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, as opposed to capital and the rest lowercase. When you see it the way that you see on the right, it's just the title Lord. But when you see it the way you see on the left, it is masking in Hebrew the name Yahweh. Interestingly enough, Yahweh is the most frequent word, including is, and, and the, to appear in the Old Testament. It is 4% of the vocabulary of the Old Testament. So guys, you know one word, you only have 96% of the way to go, all right? So keeping that in mind, look back at these Old Testament echoes that we put up a moment ago. How should it really read? 
Yahweh rained down manna for the people to eat. Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Do you ever hear someone do Psalm 23 this way? Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. This is what Yahweh says. I will make breath enter you and come into life. What is going on here when Jesus stands up and says, I am? What is standing behind the surface of each of these statements of Jesus? What is going on? It's like the entire gospel is screaming out, this baby you see in the manger is so much more than a baby. He is Yahweh incarnate. And you know this from reading the Gospel of John because every time that Jesus would make one of these statements, one of two things would happen. People would give their lives to him or they would pick up stones and try to kill him. Now, Neil gets up or, or Kent gets up and says something like, I am. I'm not ready to start whipping chairs and rocks at him, all right? But in the Old Testament world, where the name of Yahweh was held to be so sacred that you wouldn't even utter it and so would substitute it with the word Lord, as you see in the English convention of what you read just a moment ago, for someone to get up and say, I am, was either the greatest miracle of all or blasphemy. And that is what John's gospel is all about. Who is this Jesus really? Is he just a person that we can learn some really, really good stuff from? Some things to help us make sense out of life? Who has some just really great insight into how the world should ideally work? Is that all he is? Is he just a madman roaming the, the, the streets that, that, that got a, a, a bunch of groupies to follow him and just kind of stuck? Or is John showing us that this Jesus is someone so much more? I've known people that have struggled to see how the Bible describes Jesus as God. Because if you look for a verse that says Jesus is God, I mean, good luck. It just it doesn't come up like that. But what you see with Jesus is him taking on every description of God that there is and saying, you know that one you heard about? That's me. You know that one that brought you out of Egypt? That's me. Do you know that one who put the foundations of the world in play? That's me. After all, his name is Jesus. Yahshua, Yahweh, saves. And it's that understanding of Jesus that Jesus himself invites us to see. Better put, it is that understanding of Jesus that Jesus invites us to believe. Because often what people see is just the surface of the true reality. Guys, I want to invite you to rise. Our chorus is going to come forward one more time. But before they do, there is a place in the Gospel of John that kickstarts this entire understanding of who Jesus happens to be. It's the intro to his Gospel. It's contained in, in the words of John 1, 1 to 14. I know that some of you have been striving to make these words your own, to ingest them, to memorize them. And in two days, we're going to be in this room again. Two days commemorating the night that Jesus was born and together saying those words. Before that day comes, 
this morning, I want to invite you one last time before Christmas comes upon us to make those words your own and to uh, to say them with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man who was sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, yet his own did not receive him. But to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, but born of God. Amen.